We comprise uh, five counties, and when you think of an association, just think of a network of churches in the same geographical area, and that's what we are. So we represent some 60 churches and missions in the uh, uh, East Tennessee, specifically in Hamlin County, Jefferson County, Cock County, um, Hawkins County, and Greene County, five counties, but the mission goes beyond uh, this geographical area through the church or the churches and True Life being one of the autonomous churches of the Nola Chucky Baptist Association. So some 60 churches, uh, 59 right now, will grow as the kingdom of God is advancing by two more missions or church plants uh, being affiliated with this this fall. And uh, so we're some, uh, even though I'm old and I look old and I'm reminded that at times, our association is some 192 years of at being organized and everything, going back to 1828. So that's a long time. Uh, the Baptist associations uh, started in England some 400 years ago. In the States, we're some 300 years of age. Uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in 1707 was the first Baptist association. So in East Tennessee, Holston Association is the Otis Association. Uh, uh, in the uh, late 1700s. And by the way, our oldest church in the association is, is 1785, Whitesburg, which was Bent Creek, which uh, birthed First Baptist Morristown. So go figure. A small church running around 40 people now, and that's how the kingdom of God advances. But the association or network of churches, we actually predate or go before state conventions and the Southern Baptist Convention. So we've been around a long time, and God works all of us together to one uh, is to hold one another accountable in doctrine or that is the teaching of uh, Jesus Christ and God's word so we preserve sound doctrine within the affiliated churches we promote unity and fellowship among the churches just as we're doing today and then we also promote evangelism and uh, mission work so as pastor Jimmy said there are a lot of different ministries and missions of the association but today we're focusing on church planning and we've been involved with true life since at least 2002 even though our first service was in 2003 and perhaps even before 2002 as pastor jimmy and robin were thinking through church planning issues and all of that but god used uh, morningside baptist church which is an affiliated church in morristown to actually sponsor True Life as a mission. And so as you all are sponsoring churches to go out, you all were sponsored at some time and hence by Morningside. And in, in fact, they were sponsored uh, by uh, First Baptist Church of Morristown and Buffalo Trail. And then that membership was made up of, uh, Morningside was a Montview, uh, Cedar Creek, and Three Springs. So Baptist churches coming together. Associations do not start churches churches start associations we're just part of the process and walking alongside of you and i thank god for every one of you and may the lord continue to bless you as you're a blessing to others god bless you all thank you david all right hope you're ready to listen fast and absorb quickly okay so uh, i believe everything we do should be grounded in scripture 
And, you know, normally we do, we go verse by verse in, in the book of Ephesians. Today's going to be a topical message, but I'm calling it Missions 101, but just kind of a basic theology uh, of missions, like six biblical statements about missions. Before we get into that, just a couple of introductory things. First of all, this is a quote by Dr. Danny Aiken, who's president of Southeastern Seminary, and he says, we must encourage pastors to see themselves as the head of a gospel missions agency who will lead the way in calling out the call for international assignments, but also equip and train all their people to see themselves as missionaries for Jesus, regardless of where they live. So, you know, if you want to know my conviction or philosophy about pastoring, about church, I believe that ultimately what we are is a gospel missions agency. Now, there's more to it than that. We're supposed to minister to each other, care for each other, meet each other's needs. But at the end of the day, we are a gospel missions agency. And that's how uh, our elders are going to lead true life. One other thing I want to say to you, and I think I shared this quote at some point during the Ephesians series. But, you know, it's easy to come to church and talk about missions, talk about evangelism. It's easy for us to say the right things. Right? We, we probably know, most of us, we've been around church very long, you know, what we're supposed to do. But Steve Saint says something that's really true, I think. He says, don't talk about what you believe. Show me how you live, and I will tell you what you believe. And, and, and I believe that is absolutely true. That show me how you live, and I will tell you what you believe. Our actions show what we really believe. So I would encourage all of us to think about, as we look at these scriptures today, what do our actions show that we believe about missions? We praying for anybody to get saved. We sharing the gospel with anybody. We serving. We giving. Those kind of things. Now, other thing in the way of introduction is if we're going to talk about missions, we probably need to define some terms to be clear about what we mean, what we're talking about. So, I'm going to quote Avery Willis, and he says this. He says, "By mission, singular, I mean the total redemptive purpose of God to establish His kingdom. It's what God's doing." to call out the call, to, to save people, to, to build and to establish his kingdom. Missions, plural, on the other hand, is the activity of God's people, the church, to proclaim and to demonstrate the kingdom of God to the world. So we're talking about God's mission, but as we join him in that mission, we're, we're doing missions. So the word mission comes from a Latin word and it, that means to send. And so the idea is God is both the sender and the sent in Christ because ultimately the mission of God is he sent his one and only son to save the world. But then Jesus sends out the church. We're sent by God on mission and we cooperate with God to then send missionaries. Okay, so that's kind of the definition of what we're talking about, what we mean by mission and by missions. And so with that said, hopefully to kind of establish a foundation Here's six biblical, six biblical statements about missions quickly. Number one, God is a missionary God. Now, th that's the story of the Bible from beginning to end. Just for time's sake, a couple of scriptures. Jesus said of himself in Luke 19.10 that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus said in praying to his Father in John 17.18, As you sent me into the world, the Father sent Jesus on mission I also have sent them into the world. So Jesus is saying, Father, you sent me as a missionary. Now I'm sending my followers as missionaries. So the idea is God is a missionary God. So our mission is rooted in the re redemptive mission of God 
which is rooted in the loving heart of a God who loves the entire world. So God's a missionary God. That's foundational to everything else we're going to say today. Number two, every follower of Jesus is a missionary right where we are. Do you know when you got saved, you got called into missions? That's, that's what the Bible teaches. Matthew 4.19, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And I think it's accurately been said, if we're not fishing, we're not following Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The way we say that in true life, one of our core values is that we are disciples who make other disciples. That that's who we're called to be as Christians. If we're not part of making other disciples, we're not really a disciple of Christ. So we're disciples who make other disciples. That means as followers of Jesus, we meet people where they are, introduce them to Jesus, help them to grow spiritually, and then train them to make other disciples. So as a church, we're called to the ministry of disciple-making. It's not just something for pastors or missionaries or uh, seminary professors. It's who we are called to be as Christians. Number three, every Christian is called to either go or send others as cross-cultural missionaries. So what I'm saying is that the Scripture teaches right where we are within our sphere of influence. Paul talked about that in 2 Corinthians, that we're called to be a missionary, a witness of Christ. I'm not saying everybody is necessarily called to go into another culture, but I think probably more people are than maybe uh, they realize. But we're all called to either go or we're called to send. I mean, once again, we believe the church is the missionary. And so while we support missions through the Baptist Convention, it's been the vision of true life since before we ever planted the church to actually do hands-on uh, missions. And so in a sense today, you're seeing kind of the ongoing fulfillment of that vision that God gave us. But, but here's what scripture says about this. A little letter of 3 John, just one chapter, verses 5 through 8. John writes this. He says, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on, your, on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. You see that? Send them forward in a manner worthy of God. And he's really what he's talking about here, supporting traveling missionaries. He says, because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. They didn't ask non-believers uh, to support them. That's why we don't do fundraising kind of stuff at, at True Life. And he says, we therefore ought to receive such that they may become fellow workers for uh, the truth. Uh, Tom Steller comments on this passage and he says, we must either go out for the sake of the name, or we must send and support such people who do, and do so in a manner worthy of God. Randy Alcorn says, and, and we need to hear this quote, I think, as modern-day Americans. He says, abundance isn't God's provision for me to live in luxury. It's his provision for me to help others live. God entrusted me with his money, we're stewards, not to build my kingdom on earth, but to build his kingdom in heaven. And so as we give, as we give to a local church that's, that's doing missions, as some of that goes to, to missionaries like Philip and Teresa, uh, Lions were, you know, with the International Mission Board, you know, as you, as you give to support what we're doing in Honduras, uh, which we would encourage you to do as you feel led, you can give to support to the church plants uh, that, that we're going to talk about. As you give, 
You're sending people and you're fulfilling what this uh, scripture is talking about. So thank you for your giving. That's one way we've really grown at True Life in the last couple of years. We appreciate your generosity. And, and I just encourage you, you know, as we give biblically, Really, first of all, giving is about giving our first fruits to God, our first and our best, not our leftovers. It's an act of obedience. It's an act of faith. It's an act of love and worship where we honor God and say, you know, we're just stewards. It all belongs to you. Thank you for being so good to me. Thank you for what you have given to me, and we're giving something back to to say that to him. But also, as you give, you're making an investment in eternity. You're making an investment in people's lives, and uh, you're helping people to be impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And something, those of you who are part of True Life, I just kind of want to remind you of, I think this is easy to forget, you know, when we, like, January through June of this year, we averaged just under 340 people in the building on, in our Sunday morning services. But if you look at, at you know, this total number of people that are involved in this church, what we're doing online, what we're doing in Honduras, what the different church plants that uh, we've helped and supported are doing, actually indirectly we're ministering to about two to three thousand people a week and so as you give that's part of what's happening with what you give so you're making an investment in people's lives and thank you for doing that number four the mission of the church is the great commission you know we say to true life to meet people where they are and help them become fully devoted followers of christ but this is the mission Different churches can go about fulfilling the mission in different ways, but this is the mission. This, these are the marching orders that Jesus left his church. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey, to observe all things that I have commanded you. So it's not just about here, it's about here and there. It's about all over the world. It's not just about addition, really it's about multiplication. I mean, one of our core values says we impact the world through multiplication. Uh, We do that by training the next generation, by equipping pastors and missionaries, and planting churches in the United States and the world, particularly in Honduras right now. And you'll see an update on that in a little bit. Number five, and this flows out uh, of the last statement, the end result of fulfilling the Great Commission is the planning of local New Testament congregations. How do we know this? Well, you know, some of Jesus' final words were what uh, I I just quoted uh, in in Matthew chapter 28. But then um, you see how this was carried out in the book of Acts by the early church. So the church was started the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people get saved. They grow from 120 to 3,120 in a day. And so then they keep growing, and you see this multiplication that's happening in Jerusalem. Then you get to Acts chapter 8, and persecution forces them outside of Jerusalem. Not the apostles. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. So it wasn't actually the pastors who were planting churches. It was everybody else. And so Acts chapter 8, you see in Samaria, basically revival comes to that city. Tons of people are saved. I assume a church was planted there. It doesn't explicitly say it. But then you get to Acts chapter 11 as they're pushed further out by persecution. One of the greatest churches ever existed was planted in Antioch. 
They had a plurality of pastors. Part of the reason why we have a plurality of pastors is this passage, other passages, pattern in the New Testament. And as these guys were praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit led them to send Paul and Barnabas out as missionaries. Well, what they do as missionaries is they traveled around that area. Scripture specifically says that they started churches in Lystra, in Iconium, in Antioch, in Galatia, in Philippi, in Thessalonica, in Corinth, and in Ephesus. And so I don't think a church can claim to be, I don't care how big it is, I don't think a church can claim to be a healthy New Testament church if it's not planning other churches. Aubrey Malfers has said it this way, the idea is that planted churches reproduce themselves and make disciples by planting other churches. This is a process that will continue until the Savior returns. In fact, this is the true meaning of the Great Commission. If we desire to know how the early church understood Christ's commission, we can find the answer in the book of Acts. Acts is a church planning book because much of what takes place does so in the context of starting new churches. Therefore, it shouldn't surprise us when someone such as Peter Wagner says, and research backs this up, that the single most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven is planting new churches. And then last, you know, if it's about fulfilling the Great Commission for all missionaries, and, you know, if that's the end result of it, what's the ultimate purpose of it? And the ultimate purpose of missions is the global glory of God. And I want to read two verses from the book of Revelation and just kind of remind us that what we're experiencing today is just a little taste of heaven based on what these verses say. Revelation 7, 9, and 10 says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. And I don't know what language we're speaking in heaven, but we'll all be able to understand each other. It says, Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And so this is the point of all this, that God uh, would call out those he's chosen, he would save and redeem them, through the finished work of Jesus Christ, so that forever and ever that uh, we're in his presence, worshiping him, giving him glory, enjoying each other as one, as his family. So, close with this quote. Uh, if you want to read a good book about missions, I would encourage this book, Let the Nations Be Glad, by John Piper, and he writes this. Uh, he says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. You say, well, why are we talking about missions then? Well, you've got to understand in context. Worship is the ultimate goal of the church. Why? Missions exist because worship doesn't. Why are we sharing the gospel? It's so more people will become worshipers of God and give him the glory that's due his name to the ends of the earth. You know, the Bible tells us in Habakkuk that the glory of the Lord is going to cover the, the face of the earth like the waters on the sea. That, that's coming. Uh, it, missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. There's going to become a day when there's no more sermons, nobody else is getting saved, the redeemed are gathered together, so it's a temporary necessity. But worship abides forever. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and the goal in missions. So if we want to live a life for the glory of God, what that means is we need to be on God's mission. His mission of redeeming the world. 
That means as individuals, we're praying for lost people, we're giving, we're serving, we're sharing the gospel, we're inviting people to church. As a church, as we serve and we work together, it's not just internal about us, but it's getting the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's meeting people's needs, sharing the gospel, letting God use us to plant churches as he would open doors for us. So, I hope you'll think about that, pray about that, and now with that said, we want to take some time the rest of the time, at least till the baptisms, to kind of either share some updates about some things that are going on at True Life and just some, introduce some new opportunities that we have. So we're going to start with one of our leaders, Steve Simpson, who's a new leader, uh, Boots on the Ground. He's going to share about that. Then after that, there'll be a couple of video updates, and then I'll come back and introduce some people. I thought this would be less frightening the second time around, but <laughs> that's not going to happen, looks like. All right, good morning, guys. Uh, like I said, my name is Steve Simpson. I've been in True Life a couple years now, and I'm getting to serve with Boots on the Ground this year. And I want to give you guys some updates. Um, two groups of people I'm speaking to. The first are those of you that have already been involved or uh, are returning to Boots on the Ground. Um, I've connected with you with a survey already, and thank you guys for those that have got them back to us. Uh, those are really helpful, and if you've not, feel free to send them in still. Um, we get everybody's input. But we're going to have a meeting August 18th. That is a Sunday. Uh, at 10 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. So that's going to be in Philip's office at the end of this hallway. Uh, so it's an either-or, whichever one's more convenient for you. We want to talk about some of those uh, reflection survey results. Uh, we want to talk about some format changes this year. Uh, we want to hear you guys' ideas or concerns, and we just want to get a head start on the year to come. Uh, the second group I want to talk to is the people that are not involved or maybe not familiar with Boots on the Ground or maybe you've heard of it and don't really know what they do. Um, Boots on the Ground is an outreach ministry uh, team format uh, for um, True Life Church. It's a group of teams that go out into different areas in our community and minister the gospel to people. Um, typically, an outreach ministry will provide a service, not necessarily a financial one, or a material one, but a, some service to the community in order for a chance, an opportunity to present the gospel. Um, I have a friend who runs a uh, food pantry, and uh, you know we have people that will come in every week continuously. We see the same people because we know that the food that we're giving them materially is not the answer to their solution, but we have the opportunity to give them the bread of life, and that lasts forever. Um, we, ha we have teams that have been involved in nursing homes, uh, reminding people that they're not forgotten or abandoned. We have teams that have served uh, in recovery homes, reminding them that, you know, Christ died to redeem, and there is redemption in life uh, for everybody. Uh, we have teams that have served in construction, reminding that God, you know, we're more valuable than leaves in the valley. You know, God provides for us. Um, we have evangelism team, uh, some great opportunities for everyone to get plugged in. You know, we all have a spiritual gift. We all have talents. We all have passions. We all have something that God breaks our heart for in our community. We all live here. We see it every day things that are going on. Um, it's just a matter of us doing something about it. So we're having an interest meeting the following Sunday. That's going to be the 25th of August, and there's going to be one following each service, so whichever one's more convenient for you, and those are just opportunities for you to come together. And we're going to talk about where Boots is already involved. We're going to talk about um, you guys, what you're bringing to the table, your spiritual gifts, your passions, uh, what's important to you, and we're going to get everybody connected to try and make even greater impacts in our community. Right, thank you, guys. Good morning, True Life Church. I'm coming to you via 
video this morning because as you are there meeting and worshiping for Missions Day, we are taking some needed R&R, some vacation days. So uh, though summer is slow normally for International Fellowship, we do have some things to report and for which to request prayer. First of all, I want to mention a Japanese family, which is significant in and of itself. This Japanese family who has shown some interest in the gospel, the middle schooler, uh, a middle school young lady, Japanese lady, came with a friend to the Gotel Crusade and uh, actually came down during the altar uh, to respond to the gospel and and uh, because of limited uh, language, uh, she's still learning English and it's her first year in, in uh, school in America. And so uh, her mother and little sister also came with her and we were able to set up a time for follow-up later with her mom. Uh, but uh, then they went back to Japan for the summer and we have not been able to follow up anymore with them. So be in prayer for the Saiki family. Secondly, the Carson Newman University Taiwanese Culture Camp luncheon that we had on July 7th, kind of a, a joint venture between True Life Church and International Fellowship to host uh, these kids, mostly middle school kids, uh, uh, you know, during the, our worship service and then afterwards for lunch. 15, around 15 middle schoolers, Taiwanese, who had never been to a, in, an evangelical church before and who had never heard the gospel, heard the gospel for the first time in their lives. So pray for them. Uh, we gave them the gospel, planted some seed and encouraged them to consider and think about the claims of Christ on their lives. And then thirdly, we're really excited to have the Micronesian church here with us this morning, uh, who have kind of sought us out. Uh, they, the, the, the Nola Chucky Baptist Association gave them my contact, and so I met with them. And then I also introduced them to Pastor Jimmy and to the Director of Missions, David Hawkins, at the association. And uh, they have asked for help in a place to meet and in biblical training, help with their constitution and bylaws, and also a potential sponsor church that can help them to become a, a part of the Nolichucky Association. And so we're really excited. They, they just, uh, a lot of them come from a Catholic background and they need some solid training and teaching in biblical uh, truth. And so Pastor Jimmy and I have begun to train and teach the pastors and some of their leaders uh, and uh, to look for a place in Morristown where they could meet that's more central uh, to their area. So please be in prayer for all of these things and continue to pray for international fellowship as we make disciples who make disciples both here and around the world. Hello, dear brethren from the Trinidad Church and from other churches that may see this video. My name is Julio Pacheco. I am one of the pastors of Iglesia Bautista Comunión, and here with me is Jose Luis Villanueva, also part of Comunión Baptist Church, and I'm the executive director for the Boys and Girls Club of Central Honduras. We give thanks to the Lord uh, for the partnership in the church planting ministry that our churches have, and we could uh, talk about so many good news of what the Lord is doing in our country. 
but I am going to focus on the church planting ministry and the training programs, and then Luis is going to tell you about the Boys and Girls Clubs. Talking about the church planting, in May, we celebrated the constitution of a new church in El Pedrero, Olancho. This is a huge area in our country, five to seven communities, and this is just the first evangelical church in that area. Also, we are starting to send a mission team every weekend to Calicanto, another community in the south of our country, uh, surrounded by five or more communities, and we hope that this is also going to be the first evangelical church in that area. We have begun to have Sunday morning meetings in Santa Rosa de Copan, which is another church planting area that we just begun to work at. And the fourth uh, news is that we're putting a lot of energy and efforts in La Ermita. So for those of you who are coming in September, you are going to be doing a lot of work in that community. Now, regarding the training programs, we continue to have uh, two groups of the students in Rio Dulce that attend uh, to have their Bible Institute classes. In March, we started a third group of students uh, in my church with 15 students. And we have just started a second training program designed for all kinds of leaders and servants in the churches, including the women. We opened a class of 28 students at Colonia Baptist Church, and in, on August 24th, we're going to start uh, a group of students in Santa Rosa de Copan. So hopefully in September, Pastor Jimmy and I are going to be traveling to Cholteca together in order to speak either at a conference or the first class of the Bible Institute in Cholteca too. So we give thanks to the Lord for what he's doing with the church planting and the training program. And now Miss is going to talk to you about the Voice of Girls Clubs. Exciting things are happening in Honduras. Club is now reaching its third year of existence, and um, we started the process of improving and expanding the clubs in January this year, 2019. At the moment, we are serving over 500 kids weekly among nine different clubs in the central area of Honduras, and we have applications from two or maybe three different places. That wants to open a club there as well. Of course, this is going to require a lot of effort, a lot of resources, a lot of time, and most importantly, a lot of prayer. In September, uh, well, October this year, I'm going to be traveling to Tennessee to conduct some fundraisings for the Boys and Girls Club, so I'd love to see you there. And uh, if possible, I'll be going to different areas of the United States as well. Uh, we ask your prayers and your support for this project. We are starting to pay a few members of the, of the volunteer, the staff that we have. It's going to be a slow and long process, but hopefully the Lord is going to bless us with this. So we ask your support and your prayers. Um, the idea is to make the children of Honduras for Christ to make them for Christ and to take them away from all the violence and all the dangers that we have in this country. You can be a part of that if you help us, if you support us with your prayers, your time, your effort, and um, the training, the trainings that we are actually doing with the staff.
So thank you very much for your support and hope to see you soon. Again, uh, thank you very much for your love, for your support, your prayers, and we're looking forward to seeing you for those who are coming in September. God bless you, brothers. Just um, want to introduce and let our church planner share just one quick kind of addendum update to what he was saying there. They, they uh, filmed this and sent it to us on uh, Wednesday, but uh, one of the things he was referring to on Thursday, it, we, we finalized, uh, I mean, still got to do some written stuff, but I mean, basically kind of settled on an agreement with a ministry in South Carolina called White Horse Missions that uh, does ministry in, in Central America and some countries, particularly in Honduras. To partner together, and I think it's really going to expand the ministry. In fact, uh, they're already sending some of the training materials that we've written and used in Honduras to pastors and churches that they work with in Costa Rica. So in that sense, they've kind of already expanded it. But um, uh, in, when we go in September, we get to teach the final class for our first group of seminary students in Rio Dulce, and then they got a project to do, and they'll graduate early part of next year. But at the same time, kind of what he was referring to there, we're going to be starting a new seminary Bible Institute location in Chulateca and get to teach the, Julia and I get to teach the first class there uh, while we're there in September as well. So we're really excited about that. And, and really the, the goal and the vision of that is to establish these Bible institutes, these training centers in every geographic area of location. So we're developing pastors, developing leaders within churches. And if there's leaders, then, you know, we can plant churches. And the ultimate prayer is that out of that, that God would create a church planning movement that would be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission uh, like, we've, like we've talked about. Now, God has kind of just opened some doors, in a sense, kind of dropped some things in our lap uh, here locally, just kind of give us some opportunities over the last several months that the elders have been talking about and praying about as some uh, different men have come to us about us partnering with them in, in helping them start a church. One of those is Brian Myers. Brian and his wife, Rachel, and some of you have met their uh, little boys. Have, uh, you know, they've been coming to True Life uh, for a while. And uh, you know, Brian feels called to plant a church in Dandridge. Some of you who have been around True Life for a long time know that early on in our history, we planted a church out there. But then after a few years, it folded. And so that's kind of an area uh, that's been on our hearts. Uh, but you know, it's kind of praying the right time, right situation and everything. And so uh, we were actually just, he's actually, I guess, technically starting today, brought Brian on as a church planner intern for us to kind of help him get started in that process and observe him and then us to be able to make a decision together in a few months if, you know, we're going to go forward and uh, be his sponsor church and, and starting a church there. And so, you know, with all of these men, all these opportunities, we encourage you to be praying for them. There's a sign-up sheet in your bulletin. If you'd like to join in on their prayer team, they'll update you. We'd encourage you to do that. Or if you, you know, there'll be some mission ministry opportunities if you feel called to do that. Even, you know, if you feel called to be a part of the church planning team to actually help them uh, get started, and, and, you know, as this comes along in any of these opportunities, we would encourage you to follow the Lord's leading in doing that. So, Brian, would you come introduce yourself and uh, just share about what God's called you to do? Hi, as uh, Pastor Jimmy said, my name is Brian Myers. Uh, this is my wife, Rachel, and yes, we have two boys, twins. They are uh, 18 months, something like that. I'm, I'm way off. Like they, It kind of runs together at this point. Um, basically, uh, we've been married for 10 years, and we went from no kids to now we, we're evenly matched, and it, sometimes it feels like we're outnumbered. So uh, I just have a short time to kind of give you like a snapshot of what Legacy Church will be. Um, 
starting 12 years, 12 years ago, I, I kind of started a ministry. I've done a lot of different things. I've been student pastor. I've interned. I've done this. I've, I've done a lot of different things. And I never really fit like a particular niche that I kind of figured I would. Went to seminary and all that. Uh, moved to Knoxville, I think it was like six, seven years ago. Uh, no intentions of moving back. And um, some conversations with some godly men, um, some great mentors and different things like that. Um, felt called to church planting. Um, God just put some people in our lives, me and Rachel, and at the initial front end of it, uh, I was on board with it. Rachel was not. And then over like the last five, six years, you know, it's been like, yes, that's what we're supposed to do. Um, and then we we're like, well, where do we go? Um, living in Knoxville, I was actually interning at a church in Knoxville. I was like, well, I could do something with them. And it just never, you know, I, I just couldn't get Jefferson County out of my mind. And there were some other things that I don't have time to necessarily share, but I couldn't get Jefferson County out of my mind. I think it's probably two years ago, maybe, or so. I actually met with uh, Pastor Jimmy and started talking with him. And through those conversations, we've, um, you know, I, I grew up in Jefferson County. My wife grew up in Carter. Uh, we decided that we were going to move back. And two years ago, we moved back. And we moved back in May and found out we're having twins in July. And we realized that, you know, this will give us some time to kind of think through the church plan. And uh, since then, God's kind of put dandridge on our heart. And really, the overall vision for Legacy is this. We want to be a church that plants gospel communities in the rural areas of the world. So basically, locally, that means the small little pockets of communities throughout Jefferson County and other areas. We want to look at those areas that sometimes get overlooked. Chestnut Hills, Piedmont, Flatwoods and Dandridge, different areas like that that just kind of get, you know, maybe sometimes they get overlooked or different kinds of whatever. But we want to... Be a church, as Jimmy said, if you're going to be a, go a gospel-centered New Testament church, you have to plant churches. So in the initial, just even just dreaming it, we want to be a church that looks to plant other churches and be an impact in other communities. And to do that, we're going to be uh, intertwined in our communities. So basically, when we get to danger, when we're starting this thing, like we're like, you know, step one right here. So when, we, when we're going, we're going to be a part of this community to where when it launches and it goes, if something happens, I want there to be a void. I want there to be. I want us to be missed. I want us to be such so intertwined in that community. Basically, I want to join Dandridge and the gospel together. I want to join churches together on mission to be a light to Dandridge and the other communities in the Dandridge area. So we want to be intertwined in the communities. I want to. We're going to strive for authentic discipleship. I grew up around here, and I grew up in different churches. I actually have a fundamentalist background, um, and the one thing I, I see is um, I want to see people be authentic. If we're going to disciple people to make disciples, that means we have to be real with people. That means we have to open ourselves up and be willing to say, look, I've struggled with this or I've struggled with that. And that is what we want to do is basically be a church as a part of the community in such a way that we're opening our lives and every part of our lives, actually, to the community so that we can make disciples. And the end goal of that is to teach people to follow Jesus. I don't want them to follow me. I don't want them to follow legacy. I don't want to follow anything except for Jesus. Because if, if people will follow Jesus, they'll make disciples because that's what Jesus told them to do. If they follow Jesus, they'll pray like they're supposed to because that's what Jesus asked them to do and told them to do. If they follow Jesus, we'll see the community change. We'll see Dandridge be, you know, and we, you may think of Dandridge as not initially hurting, but there's people there. There's brokenness and all around. And as the next gentleman will share, there's brokenness all around us. And if you look, it's there. And that's what we want to be a part of in combating that, the darkness, and we want to be a light and take the gospel into dander. So if you would, be praying for us, and uh, thank you.
Thank you, Brian. Remember, if you want to be a part of these prayer teams, there is a sign-up for that in the bulletin. I encourage you to do that. So next, I want to introduce uh, Jeff Davis to you. He's a church planner with New, Cre New Creation Community Outreach Church in Morristown. And uh, Jeff uh, first uh, came to me, I guess went to David first, then, then, then came to me last fall, and our elders met with him. And you know, honestly, we weren't really looking to do anything in, in Morristown. I mean, you know, felt like it was more of a need in, in Jefferson County. And just kind of felt like the timing wasn't right, even though I feel like, felt like, you know, Jeff has a great heart for the Lord and just, you know, called, passionate uh, about doing this. But so because of that, even though we didn't feel like it was the right time for us, I offered to do uh, some training with him. So I've been meeting with Jeff almost weekly since November and just doing some training and church planning and, 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 and that kind of thing. And, and over the course of that, uh, you know, our elders have been praying. We've met with him, his wife again. And so... Near the end of June, we entered into an agreement between True Life from the elders and New Creation for us to be their sponsor church, their, their mother church. Um, Jeff feels called to minister, and where they're starting the church is in the South Cumberland area of Morristown, which uh, is one of the, probably in the Lakeway area, that's one of the needier areas, and he'll tell you about that. And uh, this has a lot of passion for it, uh, just a great heart for the Lord and for people. And, you know, we believe he's called to do this. And really, I mean, the vision, if I was just boiling it down to a nutshell, his vision is really to see that community transformed. And that's something I can get excited about, something I can get behind. And so that's why, you know, we've chosen to enter into that partnership. And so we'll let Jeff come tell you a little bit about that himself. Good morning. Hey, isn't God good? I love the Lord so much. I, this has been a great service today. I, I tell you what, God is so good. And I'm so excited for the baptism. I'm so excited about that. But a little bit about what we're doing out there is, uh, you know, God kind of gave the vision quick, quick. But God uh, had me drive on that area out there about a year ago. And if you ever drive the South Cumberland area, it's kind of run down a lot. Uh, if you don't go out there, you'd be surprised what you see. A lot of prostitution, uh, a lot of drug activity, a lot of homeless people out there. But I started going out there about a year ago and basically just praying over the area, driving and praying uh, during my lunchtime for quite a few months, to be honest with you. Didn't really know why God brought me out there. Maybe I was just praying for the people. But then I started really having a vision. God gave me a vision to put a church out there. And uh, I started praying for a building and basically found a building out there. I would park in front of the building for, again, for quite a few months and just pray and pray, get out of my car, walk around the building, claim the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. I knew that's where God wanted me to be at. And uh, spent a lot of time in prayer out there, a lot of time in prayer. Uh, long story short, the guy originally wanted $1,000 a month for the building. Now it's free, so God gave it to free. So God just opens the doors all the time. It's amazing what our God does for us. So I spent a lot of time praying on that, and we're now working on the building, working on a core group, getting things together. We're working the people out there. We're doing homeless packs uh, we have probably a 1,000 pieces of clothes. People have been donated clothes to us, giving to people, so forth. We're trying to just basically revive an area, try to love on people, show them the love of Christ. It all starts with Jesus, and that's what we need to be doing. I tell people all the time, somebody told you about Jesus, somebody prayed for you, we need to pray for these people. But real briefly, because I got in trouble last time for reading too long, but <laughs> 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 that's a preacher for you, but... Uh, <laughs> I will tell you a quick little story that really hit my heart really hard. I, I think a lot of times we, we visualize people as homeless as 
the 50-year-old guy, the beard, you know, the wine in his hand and so forth. And there's a lot of people like that out there, a lot of drug activity and so forth. But there's a lot of people actually that lost their jobs, lost their families, and had nowhere else to go to. But I went out there about a month ago, and this one really hits me hard. Every time I talk about it, it hits me hard. So please, if I get up emotional, just pray for me. I need prayer. You know, this vision, this vision needs prayer. This missionary needs prayer. But I went out there after leaving church here, and I went to the building and just to spend some time praying. And if you ever felt like when you pray sometimes you felt really uneasy, you can't really pray, or something's burdening you really hard, you can't even pray. Something's really bothering you. That's how I was that day. I went inside the building like I prayed so many times before and just couldn't pray. And uh, I thought, well, okay, Lord, you want me to do a prayer walk? I do a lot of prayer walks in neighborhoods. And I locked the building up and was going to do that. And I still felt real uneasy. I couldn't figure out what it was. Well, the Holy Spirit was drawing me back behind the building. Now, behind the building where that building's at out there, there is a lot of homeless people out there. I talk to them all the time, uh, work with them and so forth. They get a lot of trust. But I started walking towards back the building, and I seen a young lady laying over there by the wooded area. And mind you guys, it's, it's, it's 90 degrees outside. It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And I see her over there, and she's, you know, about the sound system dead over there, and she's about half-dressed. I didn't know what happened. If somebody raped her, if she was dead, alive, I had no idea. I didn't know it was a trap for me because people see me out all the time. So I kind of hollered, no response, no movement, hollered again, still no movement. Got a little closer, cautiously, because you got to have common sense, and still hollered, no movement at all. Then uh, I got close as I am to Jimmy right now, and I could see she was barely breathing but she still wasn't responding to me at all. So it scared me pretty bad. Uh, I called 911. They come out here. It was a drug overdose. There's two things that really hit me on this. If I would have left and went home, she would have passed away. She would have died. Another thing that hit me was she was 19 years old. She's somebody's baby, somebody's daughter, and she was left out there like nothing. That is the kind of thing we're dealing with out there, and that's what the Lord's put me out there for, to love on these people, to show them the love of Christ, and get them saved and change their lives. You know, we, we visualize people of, you know, this is the way they are. Well, you know, they're, they're on these drugs, rock alcohol, but that's somebody's daughter. And I have a daughter who's 19 years old, so it really hit me home. So please, I'm asking, you know, to uh, please pray for this minister. Please pray, pray, pray for me. You know, I... I thank God for Jimmy and True Life for backing me up and, and, and teach me so much in the past year. I need so much more to learn, but I need help. I need people, and most of all, I need prayer. So please pray for this mission, but pray for these people out there. They're hurting, they're broken, and they need the love of Christ. Thank you so much. All right, and um, last but not least, Pastor Elias, if you want to uh, come up here and... Uh, you know, Philip kind of gave you an intro for time's sake. I don't want to repeat that, but just, um, you know, the, Philip had met with him some before. First time when David and Philip and myself met, met with him. I think it's one of the most special meetings I'd ever been in because, you know, we talk about taking the gospel to the nations. Here's the nations coming to us, and I'm like, where's Micronesia? And, you know, to learn that there's 300 Micronesians in Morristown. And then they have like almost a quarter of that population in their church. I mean, that's like a mega church, you know. I mean, I mean that's pretty awesome. And uh, but I mean, they're like first generation baby Christians. I mean, he's like the 
the long-term Christian. He's been saved about five years. So I'm just thankful for what God's doing there. They've reached out to us. We get to be a part of it. And so he'll tell you a little bit about that, and then we'll pray, and then we'll transition into the baptisms. Yeah, as I said, we start our church from the start. There's a man, my brother, father-in-law. He's a minister in uh, Hawaii. Heard about my brother. He was on drugs. And I thought I was going to lose him. He come out here and share the word of God to him. And he come to my house. He said, I want you to help me. You know, I wrestled for 35 years, and I was lost. I was all about myself. And before that, friend of somebody I work with asked me to go to church with him. I did. Then I start regularly every every Sunday and Wednesday. I go to this church. Something touched me. Then I, I give my life to God. But still yet, I was hold, still holding on something. Early thing. God put a stop sign in my face. I was sick. I was weighed 500 pounds. I couldn't even move. I was in bed all the time with an oxygen. I could breathe. But Lord said, I'm here. 60-some years old, and I'm here. He got a plan. I know that he got a plan for me. And this is not an accident for me to meet Pastor Philip and Pastor Inman. This is an accident. His way, not my way, his way, through this gentleman to teach me his word. That's all. I'm, I'm hungry for his word. Every day, I'm learning. I'm learning his word. And I truly believe in his word. I didn't know his word. Why? Why when I was old can he use me? I don't understand that. I really don't. But in his timing, in his timing, not mine, in his timing, he's so good. He's mighty. Thank you all very much. Thank you. All right. Let, let me give some instructions, okay? And then we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna have Brian and, and, and Jeff come back up here. 
True Life folks, we're going to gather around them, lay hands on them. David's going to lead us as we pray over them. After that, we'll be bringing the kids back in. We'll do a song, transition to baptism. But this is important. Pastor, if you need to translate this for your people, if you, if you would do that. But the True Life baptism team that's helping backstage and everyone that's being baptized, if you would go ahead and make your way back through you know, one of these doors and kind of meet in that hallway and our baptism team, uh, they'll direct you from there as we'll get prepared to do that. So I don't know if you need to translate that for your folks. All right, so as they're headed out, Jeff, you and Brian will come up here. We're about to enter into the fun, exciting mass chaos portion of the service today, but it's going to be awesome. So as, as they're uh, coming up, with some of you, let's, let's come up and gather around, and, and we're going to pray over these pastors as, as they uh, represent uh, their church plants, and uh, let's give them just a minute to get out, David, and then we'll let you lead in, in mass. As Paul uh, charged Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 5, he was uh, instructing his young protégés, young missionaries, young church planter in the faith and telling him to be watchful in all things, to endure afflictions and uh, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. And men, uh, Brother Jeff and Brother Brian and, and Elias and all of those who are joining with you in these missionary endeavors, uh, by the word of God in the Holy Spirit, we charge you likewise to be watchful in all things. Keep your head in every situation. Endure sufferings and affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. And fulfill the ministry that God has entrusted to you. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word that stepped out of heaven and became flesh and dwelt among us. Thank you, Father, that those early disciples beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son, full of grace and full of truth. And, Father, likewise, not having seen but believed, we're blessed. And in that blessed name above all names, Jesus Christ, we want to give you honor and glory. We commit these men and their ministries, their families, the families you're entrusted to them as overseers, as elders, as bishops, as shepherds, that you will bless these men. Bless their minds, their ministry, their marriages. Steady their frail hands. Strengthen their feeble knees and satisfy their faint hearts. And Father, might the word, your word, come from heaven, Lord, into their spirits and souls freely. Lord, might it come so that they'll stand, not in their own strength, and when they open their mouths, it'll not be of them, but it'll be of you, speaking the very oracles, the very words of God, the trustworthy, the true message that was entrusted to the saints down through the ages. And now, Father, we charge these men to continue to, to receive that word that's been entrusted to them, the gospel of Jesus Christ that has been entrusted to them, and the Holy Spirit, which is deposited in their hearts, and preach the word in season and out of season, and endure sufferings, continue to do the work of an evangelist, and, Father, that they may complete and fulfill the ministry that's been entrusted to them. Raise up like-minded workers of their own tongue and languages and help them, Lord, to cross the cultural boundaries which your spirit knows no boundaries. Bless them, Lord. Give them fruit for their labors. And, Father, might you meet their needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this sending church true life. 
Thank you for her missional-minded pastor, desiring to have the mind of Christ and to do your will. Bless her, Father, and bless and give increase to this local church as she multiplies herself for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people say,